0: I wonder on this night before Christmas what the worst gift is you've ever received. I started in occupational ministry um, right out of college. I was 23 years old and stepped right into full-time ministry and served for a long time in a program for underprivileged children called Youth Haven Ranch. So as you can imagine, over the years I've seen some really bad gifts. People who meant well, but, um, well, actually, I'm not sure they meant all that well. Let me tell you about one. I got a call from a guy over in Detroit. He listened to our radio broadcast, and I was on on a pretty regular basis at that time, five times a day, and he called up and said, can I talk to Mark? And so I talked to him, and he said, hey, I've got something I want to donate to Youth Haven. It's a Mercedes. Now, I thought, cool, and that just fogged my mind, and I forgot to ask some details about it. Okay? And uh, he gave me the address and set up a time for me to meet him there. And I drove over with another staff member to get it. And he had the title and he took us around in his backyard. And there was a Mercedes that was 25 years old with 300,000 miles on it sitting underneath the limb of a tree that had not been driven in 10 years. And it was a wreck. I mean, it was just an absolute mess. But as bad as that was, We had to have it actually towed someplace to turn it in for junk metal for $50. I think it cost us more for the wrecker than it actually received in the donation. But as bad as that gift was, I heard about one that tops them all. Um, You know the Butterball Turkey Company? Um, They set up this hotline around Thanksgiving time. And they have individuals who call in for recipes and for help in cooking their turkeys. Apparently this lady called in at Thanksgiving and she asked the operator if a turkey that was 23 years old would be safe to eat. Okay? Now, the lady said, the operator from Butterball said, well, if it's been kept in a freezer below zero for the entire 23 years, yeah, I'm sure it is safe to eat. However, the taste has probably degenerated to such a degree that you would not want to eat it. The lady said on the other end of the phone, I kid you not, true story. That's what I thought. We'll give it to our church. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, what's the best gift you've ever received? The best gift you've ever gotten. I think at times the best gifts that we ever receive are the ones that we don't necessarily ask for. Perhaps the ones that we didn't even know that we really needed. This week I was given a gift from a friend, a Christmas gift. And I didn't know what was in the package. As a matter of fact, when it was given to me, I left the package sit. And I left it sit for a long time. So much time went by that my wife, who loves gifts, actually said to me, when are you going to open that thing? And I said, well, I'll get around to it. I, I just you know, have so much to attend to. She said, no, you really need to open it. So I opened the gift. Read the card, very nice note inside. Opened the box up, and to my amazement, was a Kindle, an Amazon Kindle inside. i had never been given anything like that. Wonderful, and this is an electronic book form if you're not familiar with that, so you can download books over the internet. And I thought, wow, what an amazing gift. I still didn't know what I had in my hands. As I opened it up, made it internet available, made the access available, and started downloading books onto it, I realized the power of the gift that I had been given, that I had neglected and left sit to the side. See, the person who gave me the gift, they didn't necessarily want me to neglect it. They wanted me to open it and enjoy the benefits of it. But my neglecting of it pretty much took the power out of my hands. I didn't discover the power of that gift until I opened it and really discovered what was behind it. My delay robbed me of the power of that gift. This is a biblical definition for the word gift. I want to show it to you on the screen. I know it's Christmas Eve, but you're still going to have to endure some Greek words, okay? (laughs) All right, here's the biblical definition for the word gift as it's used in the New Testament. Dorea, a gift, a present, especially a sacrifice, a gift of offering. That's Greek, dorea, and that's the way it's always used when it's spoken of regarding Jesus, the gift that Jesus brought us, specifically the gift that God gave us. There's a nearly imperceptible transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament when it's talking about a gift. In the Old Testament, you see man constantly bringing gifts to God. We bring sacrifices, we bring offerings to God, trying to make a right relationship with God in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system. But then there's a transition that takes place, and in the New Testament, we see God bringing the gift to man. The Dorea is presented from God to man. That transition takes place when Jesus arrives. That transition of the Dorea. So we have to ask ourselves, when Jesus says the gift of God, what does he actually mean? What is the gift of God? There's a moment that takes place in which Jesus engages in a conversation with a lady This is far after his birthday. This is 30-some years into his life on earth. And he engages in a conversation with a woman while he's sitting next to a well. Now, this is an area in a time when men did not talk to women, especially women that they didn't have a relationship with in public. Yet Jesus begins a conversation with a woman at this well because he's thirsty. Now, the setting is this. It's high noon. He's tired. He's come a long distance. He sits down on the side of the well, and this woman walks up to him, a Samaritan woman. He says to her, woman, would you give me a drink? This is her response to him. How is it that you, being a Jew, would ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Now, that's the background to the setting. This woman is not going to refuse him But Jesus uses this as an opportunity to engage her in conversation about the gift of God. Look with me on the screen at this passage from John 4.10. This is Jesus picking up midway through the conversation with her. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew who it was that says to you, I need a drink, you would have asked him for the dorea of God, the gift of God. What is that? This is a really awkward situation that Jesus takes and turns and sets aside social customs and begins a spiritual conversation with a woman who doesn't see this coming. She doesn't even know that she needs this gift, just like me with the Kindle. I had no idea what was in the package. She was totally unsuspecting. So when the conversation began, remember, Jesus is asking her for a drink. Now he's reversed the tables, flipped them upside down, and now he's telling her that she needs a drink because he recognizes something that every one of us know in our heart, that we have a God-sized hole, and only one thing can fill that hole in our heart, there's only one gift that can meet that need. God says in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that he placed eternity in our heart. Look with me up on the screen. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has also set eternity in their heart. Do you know that all over the world, no matter what religion, people believe in eternity because God placed it in the hearts of mankind. It doesn't matter whether they call themselves Muslims or Buddhists or Hindus. They all believe that there is ultimately eternity. The only real difference between Christianity and all other world religions is that we understand that we can't earn it. God gave us eternity as a gift. We cannot earn it. Other religions believe you can work your way there. So this woman understands that there's a thirst, a longing, and they continue on in this conversation. She has an eternal thirst, and Jesus alone can fill the need. So that's why he says to her, If you knew, you would have asked. Because Jesus recognizes that thirst, and what he's attempting to do is lift her level of thinking to understand what that gift is. So what is the gift of God? Would you not agree that the greater the gift usually depends upon the greater the wealth of the individual giving the gift? Usually, the greater the gift that you receive is dependent upon the person's capacity to give a gift. As an example of that, when my son Derek was about uh, 10 years old, he rode with me down to Missouri. We have a particular friend who lives down there, and he's a world-renowned artist. And Derek and I were riding with him with my wife Lori in his car, and Derek said, I'd like an ice cream cone. So we pull up to an ice cream store, and our friend says to us, well, I'm going to buy Derek an ice cream cone, and he hands us $5,000. Now I said, um, well, no, this is a mistake. He didn't mean to do that. He said, no, I meant to do that. You keep the change. I said, Sam, um, here. No, this is, he said, Mark, if you don't want it, your son will take it, I'm sure. Laughter. See, his capacity to give a gift was much greater than the average person because his well was much deeper. So the same thing we find in God's portfolio of wealth. His wealth is so deep, his portfolio is so big that he has great wealth from which to give the gift to us. So let's look just very briefly at this wealth of God's gift. How Scripture calls the wealth of God, it calls it the plusoios, that's the definition for it. We find it being used in Ephesians 2.4. This is the way it reads, but God being rich, or plusoios, in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Plusoios means abundantly wealthy, Great wealth. So, Paul goes on to write this in Ephesians 2 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, have you ever heard of a hyperbolic chamber? Hyperbolic chamber means greatly concentrated amounts of oxygen usually used for athletes in healing process. That's the word that's used here, hyperbolo plusos. So you take the word wealth, plusos, God's wealth, and when it says surpassing riches, hyperbolo plusos, meaning exceedingly, abundantly, greatly concentrated, amazing amounts of wealth. God's riches are in grace and in mercy, so hyperbolo plusos, literally beyond, surpassing, exceeding wealth. So this is how you would use it when you think of God and the gift of God. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, the dorea, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what is the gift of God, literally? This is Scripture's answer for that. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, the dorea, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that woman at the well, when Jesus said that to her, if you knew you would ask, and they go into a conversation about what this gift is, her response to Jesus is, How do I get that? How do I get that gift? Let me take you back to where we were just at when we started. I'm at the very end, and I'm going to take you back to the beginning. John 4.10. This is the conversation again. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11. She said to him, "'Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. "'Where then do you get that living water? "'You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, "'who gave us the well and drank of it himself "'and his sons and his cattle.'" Look at Jesus' response. Verse 13. "'Jesus answered and said to her, "'Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, "'but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him "'shall never thirst but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. That is the Dorea of God. That's the gift that was given to us. What really happened on that night back in Bethlehem? That very silent night, God's giant wheels of grace were set in motion. The arrival of the King of Kings and with it, the arrival of God's grace and his mercy. Why? Because he's rich, hyperbolo plus He has so much of it. It's abundant grace and abundant mercy. A brand new beginning. Up until that point, up until that night in Bethlehem, it had only been a promise. But with the arrival of the king of kings, the wheels were set in motion and grace was realized for all the world. Here's the truth Jesus surrendered all the glories of heaven for every one of us to experience God's grace and mercy. Many of us here tonight have experienced it in different forms. Some of us have known it in the times when we're greatly struggling with physical illness. God's grace is abundant. His peace that passes all understanding. His mercy is overwhelming. Some of us discovered it when we came to Christ. We discovered the grace that allows us to begin again. Others here haven't yet discovered it. But I'm here to tell you, God's grace is abundant and it's available for you. He said simply this in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus as your Savior and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that sets in motion God's grace for you. If tonight you make that decision, you say, I want that brand new beginning. I want to know that grace. I want to receive that gift and open it up. I'm going to ask you to do one thing before you leave tonight. Take one of those welcome cards in the pew racks in front of you. Write your name on one side and on the back side, just write, it's me. It's me. I want that grace. And I'll contact you sometime this week so that we can talk further. Take time to do that. But in the meantime, know this church, this grace, this abundant mercy, this hyperbalo, oh, I'll get the word right for you. It's Greek. I better do it. Plusoios Hyperbalo plus soyos, is limitless. It knows no boundary. Our wealth runs out. God's wealth it never can be spent. It can never exceed what He wants to give us. It's abundant. We just have to take it and say, I'm willing to receive it. Would you pray with me? Father, many of us here tonight can attest to the fact that we've received that brand new beginning from You. We've known what it is to receive Your grace and mercy. Father, there's individuals here tonight that are struggling physically and have gone through deep, deep water. And some still are. And your mercy is abundant and your grace is overwhelming. Be the comforter and strength for them, Father. For hearts that are lonely this night on Christmas Eve, God, I ask that you would be especially close to them. Those who need to know your arms wrapped around them that brings a peace that passes all understanding. For each of us, Father, here, we have the opportunity to embrace you as our God. And I ask, God, that you not allow one to leave here tonight that hasn't yet discovered that grace, that mercy, that hasn't yet taken that gift of eternal life. Father, you've presented it to us. You're just speaking through me. These are your words. But we take them as truth. You want us to receive this gift. You don't want us to leave it on the shelf. So work through these hearts, Father, that are here tonight. Father, we take this fact to be truth. We who belong to you have great reason to celebrate that you have given us the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.